I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> this is Retrospection Radio Hour with your host, Noah. And I am Nate, as usual. We're going to be going over the 90s today. But before we do any of that, I have some really awesome retrospection news for everyone. First off, we have live streams that are starting out uh, on Wednesdays, starting February 2nd. And going from there, February 2nd, February 9th, I think I got one on the 16th or 18th, uh, every Wednesday, I'm not very good with dates, every Wednesday from 9 p.m. to 9.30 p.m., I'm going to have a whole bunch of random cool people on. Uh, I've got right now an author, uh, I've got a young college student who's a very fascinating storyteller, and then I've got a father um, who's just got a lot of advice for other fathers out there so this new portion of retrospection radio will be dealing a lot with a lot with people and what they create and really focusing on the real people behind the artwork um the idea being like these people put themselves front and center they create businesses they go off they become authors and podcasters but at the core of every person is a person with a heart and a mind and a consciousness. And sometimes their stories don't get told. So I wanted to give a medium for people to hear those stories. And if any of that sounded interesting to you, honestly, go ahead, give it a check it out. Just set your calendar for Wednesday, February 2nd. And from every week onward, if you end up listening live um that would be awesome from 9 p.m to 9 30 follow retrospection on all the socials uh you know twitter and instagram and facebook and all of those to find the links and learn about dates and time but not just that i will be posting these episodes on retrospection so if you happen to miss the live stream you'll be able to catch it there also more big news for Retrospection Radio. Retrospection Radio Theater is going to be releasing the second episode of Season 4 in three days. That is January 31st. It's coming out at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Just in time for, you know, you can listen to it when you wake up on your morning commute. You can listen to it on your way back. You can listen to it during lunch. I believe this episode's about 15 minutes. This one deals with... Royal McNeil goes off and he talks with John Robinson, um, who was a name mentioned during the first episode, the Bella Fields case. And from there, things go really, really in a left turn. They just completely do not go the way that you would expect. So it is it is well worth a listen. If you've not listened to the first episode yet, you should probably get that in before you listen to the second one so tonight i'm here with nate this is retrospection radio hour which always goes longer than an hour but hey cool enough name i did some awesome stuff for us this past week we now have an actual image we have an image yeah so every every retrospection radio thing has an image because it's all underneath the retrospection radio podcast yeah but it's called like Retrospection Radio Hour dash 1990 to 1995 or 94. Um, every episode is. So it's it's called Retrospection Radio, Retrospection Theater or, or Radio Theater or Retrospection Radio Live. Um, 
and that's how the audience knows, you know, if they're listening to the radio theater or our talk show or the live show. But on certain platforms, you can click to play. You can click on the image and, or sorry, you can click the play, the play button. It'll bring up the image that I have put into our podcatcher um, or our pod host, which then if they're, you know, if the audience or whoever's listening is unsure of if they're listening to the radio theater or the radio hour or the live stream or something, all they have to do is look at the picture and they'll see uh, the cover. This one's pretty cool. The cover for the radio hour is a is the brand image or the brand colors with a vinyl um, a vinyl record halfway out of the vinyl box and it says retrospection radio hour and it's got our little logo on there too right on then the radio theater has its own logo Uh, each season has its own logo and then the new radio live will have its own logo too it's a black and white logo of an old microphone uh, and it looks really really old talk show so did a lot of branding on there and hey if you're listening and you haven't seen this stuff yet Honestly, go go give it a look. Uh, look on Podbean. I believe you can look on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, don't quote me on that. I there's a we're on a lot of different <laughs> a lot of different podcatchers. We're like um, we're like deadheads. We're everywhere, man. Exactly. Just oh man, just everywhere. So yeah, uh, tweet us at underscore retro radio underscore. I gotta change that handle here soon because it's kind of like. Who wants the underscores in there, you know? Yeah. You could also just search up on any of your social medias you like, Retrospection Radio, and find us on there. But I'd love to hear your tweets today about especially the 90s, because at this point, almost the entirety of our audience has lived through the history we're discussing. Especially now that we're getting into the 90s, we have a really big, um, or at least I'm growing the millennial audience that we have, and it's especially important because... Our, our primary demographic was born in the 70s and lived through the 80s as teenagers. And our secondary demographic were born at the edge of the 80s or early 90s and lived through the 90s and early 2000s. So it's, it's very interesting um, to see, to hear what people have to say about the life that they lived during what's happening in the society. And I, I want to hop into the 90s with something really just something that defines the 90s and 2000s. The Gulf War begins with Saddam Hussein accusing uh, Kuwait of stealing oil from Iraq. Iraq invades Kuwait, and the U.S. sent half a million soldiers to defend Saudi Arabia against the invasion. So this would go on to define, like, not necessarily this particular war, but, or conflict, I don't, escalation, whatever they call it nowadays, uh, but the concept of America going in and defending its economic interests would go, I mean, it still defines us to this day. That's why we get involved with people is because money. Like, if you end up losing your trade or losing your allies, well, you're not getting as much money. So... Uh, and it's especially important for Saudi Arabia and everything that happened there because they are a big ally of ours. Uh, so the thing that's very interesting, I used to work at Tuesday morning, rest in peace. Uh, corporation went 
during COVID, but I mean, they were dying anyways before COVID. But one of the ladies I worked with was one of the first female journalists that was trained in uh, armed combat, like the, that was trained with weapons and allowed to see combat because she was a journalist. Because all journalists that went into that war, at least from my understanding, had to be trained in combat <laughs> to be to be able to defend themselves if something bad were to happen. That's insane. So she was a very wise and awesome lady, uh, but she lived through that and you know was one of the first people to do that. And I got to meet her and learn her story. Very interesting. The Gulf War is something that people just forget unless they grew up during that time period the gulf war is just it's one of those things where it just kind of exists but it doesn't uh very schrodinger the schrodinger war so we'll hop off 1990 we talked about this guy 27 years ago south african i have no idea how to say that word entire parthead or anti-parthead activist Nelson Mandela, finally freed from prison 27 years 27 as a political years? prisoner. Yep. So we talked about him in, oh, what was it, 1960s is when he gets arrested. And finally, here he is. Actually, let me double check that and make sure I'm right before I go on. So I knew he was in, I knew he was in a prison for a long time, but I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, 1962 was when he was arrested. So we talked about him in the 1960s episode. If you haven't listened to that, uh, you don't need to listen to it, but I highly recommend going back because the 60s is a really awesome decade. And we that was I think that was our first one we split into two parts because there's just so much in the 60s. Oh, yeah. So we discussed Nelson Mandela back <laughs> in that episode and why he got arrested. But basically... He was a political prisoner. Like, sum it up. Just, <laughs> I don't know oh, how else man. to say it. Like, just to sum it up. So there was a lot of stuff that happened in the 90s. In 1990, we got the U.S. Census. And it is, got about uh, 248,718,301 people. Uh, for an increase of 9.8% from the 1980 census. This is actually the smallest increase in population since the 1940 census, which is kind of interesting to think about. We kind of, we grew, but we just didn't grow as much. We kind of hit that point where we're like, eh, kind of, not really plateauing, but pretty, pretty close. We hit our peak. It's all down here from Hill now. Downhill from here. <laughs> it's all down here from Hill. You know what? I like that better. So here's some fun stuff. Do you remember what happens in 89 on the world political stage? I'm going to guess the Berlin Wall came down. Yep. Mr. Gorbachev, you got to tear down that wall. Well, we got to tear down the wall. It's, uh, it's very inconvenient. So... That's, uh, I think that was 88 or really, really early 89. And what ends up happening is Bush goes off 
and he meets with Gorbachev, and they start to finally dismantle the Soviet Union. So on February 7th, 1990, the Central Committee of the Soviet Communist Party gives up the monopoly of power, um, continuing the trend since the beginning of the Berlin Wall coming down. The Cold War was about to end. The ending of the Cold War was completed in many ways by the strong policies of Ronald Reagan uh, towards the Soviet bloc. Six days later, on February, what is that, 13th, uh, me no good math, on February 13th, a plan to reunite Germany was announced. In 1990, perhaps you've heard of this one. The largest art theft in U.S. history occurs in Boston, Massachusetts, when two thieves posing as policemen uh, abscond more than one dozen works of art worth an estimated 100 to 200 million dollars from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum. Wow. What kind of stuff did they steal? Like, does it have any examples? Artwork. <laughs> I like I, I don't I don't know what else to say like paintings and stuff I imagine a few like smaller sculptures possibly bigger ones but yeesh that's a lot to get away with was it, it was just two people two people man that's a that's pretty impressive when you think about it I mean that what, is yeah to be fair 100 to 200 million dollars worth of art could be like three pieces it could or it could be more. It depends on <laughs> it, where you. It could be more. <laughs> like you could go to like the Louvre and you could, you you could just get away with one and have that much money under your belt. That's fair. So, uh, U.S. President George H.W. Bush and uh, Gorbachev sign a treaty to eliminate chemical weapon production and begin the destruction of each nation's current inventory of uh, chemical weapons. Uh, oh, I pressed the wrong button. Oh, man, anything but the wrong one. <laughs> so, the Hubble Space Telescope is launched in 1990 also. I love the Hubble Telescope. It's cool. <laughs> so, uh, we're going to hit 1991 now. Um, 1991, we start off strong with some really amazing thing. The Reds are dead. The Soviet Union is dissolved. And the 15 separate republics, including Russia, are now independent. Yay! It took them a long time. Yeah, well, you like know. How long would you say? That's, that's almost 80 years for them to do that. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised the Soviet Union lasted as long as it did. Just, I mean, to be fair, you know, North Korea. <laughs> no, one was, no one was really stopping them. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, economically we were, but other than that, it's not like we were... I mean, we couldn't go to war with them. Nukes, mutually assured destruction, stopped us from having an actual war. That, and we saw what, what happened when the Nazis tried to find them, fight them on their own turf. Or the French, or... Or anybody. I was going to say, I'm like, I think the Mongolians literally, at some point. Literally anyone. They just have... They're just like, yeah, we live in the coldest place possible. And most of our most of our landmass is frozen wasteland that is uninhabitable. Try and just try and come and get us. And then they try. 
And then they try, and we see what happens there. So, the uh, Russian history. Like, like I've said through the past, you know, 40, 50 years, I want to do... I just want to do an episode or two or maybe a little bit more on Russian history. And I, I'm curious if people would be interested in that. Uh, if you're listening now, I would love to hear your tweets at underscore retro radio underscore on Twitter on whether or not you'd want to hear about Russian history. Because, I mean, as we were going through, we mentioned there was a revolution that happened but we never really explained like some of the stuff in the gulags were yeah and even yeah. when stalin died just everyone vying for power during that time or even when stalin was alive and just some of the stuff he did rasputin a lot of the stuff in the 1900s but even before then hitting the 1800s and the 1700s it's really really interesting to look at during the napoleonic times what Russia was doing and how they eventually became the superpower that they did in the 1900s and even to modern day. So, the Russians, man. I, I don't know what else to say. Those are... Eh. Honestly, I'd be interested in that just because I don't really know a lot of Russian history. Yeah, well, so you've got some really awesome stuff like Catherine the Great and people either know about her and if you know about her, you know a lot about her. And if you don't know about her, then you're like, who's Catherine the Great? <laughs> what did she do? So She seems like she was pretty great. She was pretty cool. Yeah. She's she's one of the more well-known uh, Russian figureheads. Uh, although there's, I mean, you've got Rasputin and Stalin and all of them from the 1900s, which are also... Was Ivan the Terrible one of them? Ivan the Terrible was Russian, yes. I do know the, the only. Th I don't really know much about Ivan the Terrible, but I know that like really crazy painting of him like killing his son, and it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like like multiple people have like tried to destroy the painting, like the, like someone like threw like a, I don't know what it was. It was like, you know those like velvet ropes, like the little stands that they go on. Yeah, like, someone threw one of those at it. Someone tried to stab it. Like, for some reason, people just do not like that painting. But I think it's really cool because it's just really disturbing looking. It's, uh, so, Ivan the Terrible was around in the 1500s. And we're going to derail as we always do. Uh, oh, yes. 1530 to 1584. And he was the Grand Prince of Moscow. He is someone who'd get his own episode. Uh, a lot of the Russian leaders are people who would get their own episodes. Maybe that's what we'll do. We'll go through we'll go through the the different figures of Russian history. Of Russian history. Yeah, and kind of just get from you know, Russian history starting out maybe with Ivan the Terrible in the 1500s and then we'll jump to Catherine the Great in the 1700s and and eventually you get to like the Romanovs and then you get to those nasty old dictators and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, what a what a grand time Russian history is, and they don't teach yeah. it in American school systems. So it's really sad because, you know, the stereotype is Russians drink vodka. Well, vodka is made from potatoes. How did they get potatoes in Russia? Which is an actual, an actual you know, never, story of never why. Never thought about that exactly. Like, vodka became extremely popular in Russia 
because of a certain reason. And there was a bunch of exporting of potatoes into Russia, and then they were like, okay, well, we're going to use this to, you know, get drunk. But the question is, why? So uh, I think that's a lot of that stuff is future episodes, but it's a great question of why why potatoes and how did they get exported in and who or sorry imported in and who was the one exporting potatoes to the Russians? Who is responsible for this? That's right. Who is responsible for this gross stereotype of Russians? Uh, Well, although I've been kind of like fascinated about Russian history a little bit because someone that I know like gave me a book by Ayn Rand and it was called like We the Living and it's basically about like some little girl like growing up like post-russian revolution russia yep and like the way that like the scenery is like described and like the places it just it sounds like it's not a real place like it's just like all these just abandoned like just run down places and people living like basically hand to mouth like really scraping by and it's really it's kind of fascinating because it's like it's something that you've never really like seen before especially you know if you're an American for the most part, well, depending, depending on where you are in America, but it's like, it's really dystopian and just odd. (laughs) What a great way to describe Russia. Dystopian and odd. Like, especially like right after the revolution when like everyone was like, oh, this won't last and blah, blah, blah. And like, everyone's poor and like, and you can kind of get behind the optimism, but little do you know, little do they know, that it's only going to get worse. So much worse. <laughs> and then I guess I guess you could say it gets a little better, and then it gets a little worse again, but, you know, I mean, who, who's to say? So, I'm, uh... The... The 90s. Um, I'm just going to... We're, we're going to talk a little bit more about this, or about all of these things. But uh, I'm just going to say, a lot of the bad stuff that happened in the 90s was pretty bad. <laughs> I don't doubt that. The 90s was a very weird time. You had the Los Angeles riots. You had the Oklahoma City bombing, Columbine, Bosnian genocide, and the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Which I will say is not really the worst thing that happened in the 90s, but, you know, it was pretty bad for the people at the time. It's not even the worst thing that a president did. Yeah, well, you know. Or at least got called out for. <laughs> the uh, the people in the 90s thought Monica Lewinsky and the whole, you know, oh, you can't do that with someone who's not your wife. No bueno. <laughs> Well, Boy, what a fun scandal we'll get to in uh, in the second part of this, 95 and up. So let's let's jump back from Russia and go to something that's, that's kind of sad, you know? Uh, Magic Johnson tests HIV positive and retires from the NBA. Oh, not Magic. Yeah, he, uh, I don't, I don't remember why, actually. I think it was... Mm, I think it was maybe drugs. When did he retire? 91. Really? That early? Man. I thought I thought he retired a little later than that. What do we got? If only I could actually type. <laughs> 
So he, ah, <laughs> I was wrong about the drugs. So the good thing is, um, he stated that his wife Cookie and their unborn child did not have HIV. Um, and Magic Johnson would dedicate his life to battling the deadly disease. He, at first, said he did not understand how he got it, but he later came out and said it was through having numerous partners during his, uh, his career. Makes sense. Yeah. So... That's Magic Johnson. Uh, I, I mean, if you're if you're someone like Magic Johnson, you're gonna have a lot of partners because you're Magic Johnson. I mean, that's kind of the Monica Lewinsky thing too. Is like these people who are are married with kids on the way or supposedly happily married. Should they, you know, a lot of the times these people let fame go to their heads you see it a lot in rock and roll where they've got wives or girlfriends at home and it just ends up being not a grand old time for the people at home because they're running around with a bunch of other people who are much much younger than their wives or girlfriends at home and then they come home and next thing you know they you know they come home and they got the clap Uh, that's right they uh (laughs) what a good way of saying it so yeah, it doesn't surprise me. A lot of the times famous people let that happen, which is a shame. Because it's so easy to do. It's so exactly. It's so easy to get into because, like, you just have all these people that are just, like, they want to be around you. And some want to be really around you. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not saying it's good or bad, but it's just something that just, it happens. Some people don't get into it, and that's awesome that people don't buy into that, but there's some, you know, it's just, it's so tempting. I, I am rewatching almost famous in one of my classes, which I've seen numerous times at this point. Seems like every year of college, there's one professor who's like almost famous is the best movie of all time. And we must watch it. It's a good movie, but like, I haven't seen it. It's, you'd like it a lot. I, I probably would. You you would love it. So it's about Cameron Crowe, who was a Rolling Stone editor. Uh, and when he was 14 years old, he ended up going on tour with the Allman Brothers. And he wrote... I like it already. I love the Allman Brothers. Uh, there you go. And he wrote this article for Rolling Stone about what it was like to be in rock and roll and be with those people. And the movie gets rid of the Allman Brothers... Uh, and replaces them with Stillwater. Um, but it's still, it, it's basically the exact same story he wrote about. It's just that, you know, Allman Brothers were like, nah. It's like, we don't want to be in this movie. Yeah. But it's it's got it's got a lot of people in there. Zoe Deschanel's in there, and she's super young at that point. But basically, it's a 14-year-old journalist with a bunch of rockers as they travel around on tour and eventually well you know won't spoil that but basically it's how these people like especially rock stars hated journalists especially rolling stone but kept them around 
to try and get good publicity, even though they were doing awful things. And yeah, you know, it was it was it was a weird time. I mean, that's still how this goes. I mean, there's a bunch of scandals with celebrities of all sorts, music and movie and all of that. But it's just because these people end up in situations where they don't really realize how their power is manipulating the people around them. Oh, yeah. I mean, that makes all these celebrities uh, sound like they're a bunch of evil people, and frankly, they are. Uh, I'm joking. (laughs) If you're famous, you're bad. That's right. I don't care how famous, if 500 people know your name or 500,000, you're evil. Any more than 100 people know who you are, you're evil. (laughs) So, it is is really weird. It's a really good movie, and the way it portrays the stuff that happens behind the scenes is so shell-shocking to someone who's not a part of that culture. You're like, really? Can these girls who are 14 and 15 lie and say they're 18 when they clearly don't look it? And do these musicians even care to figure it out? Or are they just along for the ride? Yeah, there's... uh especially like around that time like the 60s and the 70s like it there was a lot of it's a lot of things you hear especially like you know person like me likes to study all like learn about these bands and stuff you hear a lot of there's a lot of head turners in there you know yeah like real like like what (laughs) (laughs) some some bad things happened during that time so yeah so that uh, Magic Johnson, HIV, woohoo! Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson. Yeah, so it caused him to retire and its fame and all that. So we'll keep moving on with 1991. U.S. Congress passes a resolution authorizing the, for- er, the use of force to liberate Kuwai. Operation Desert Storm begins four days later with airstrikes against Iraq. Iraq responds by sending eight Scud missiles to Israel. So, uh, yay! To be fair, a month and a half later, February 27th, 1991, the Gulf War ends when Iraq withdraws its forces uh, and sets the oil fields on fire. (laughs) A ceasefire is declared, and Iraq accepts the condition of disarmament after 100 hours of ground fighting. On April 3rd, the United Nations Security Council passes Resolution 687, calling for the destruction and removal of the entire Iraqi chemical and biological weapons stockpile, plus ballistic missiles with a range greater than 150 kilometers, Iraq agrees to withdraw its support of international terrorism. So basically what happens is kind of a Germany thing, where after World War I, the world was like, hey, Germany, we're taking away all of your weapons and everything that made you powerful in World War I. The Germany is like, okay, well, we don't like this. We're going to start mass producing them and start World War II, among a million other reasons as to why World War II happened. Same thing that kind of happens here. Looking back on it, I mean, Iraq ended up getting all of these weapons over the course of 20 years. You know, and you've got 9-11. You've got a lot of different stuff that ends up happening from the fact that we 
as a world, as the United Nations basically neutered Iraq, took away all of their, I mean, to be fair, chemological, chemical and biological weapons are, they're against war protocols nowadays anyways. Like, if you use that stuff, you know, a lot of nations still get away with it, but in general, using that stuff is seen as pretty bad. Like yeah. you, it is not a humane way of killing people to just gas the trenches and let people choke, or just the disgusting stuff that happened in World War One and World War Two, for that matter. And that's why we ban them as a world. Uh, but you know, people don't really care about that. Yeah, some doesn't really stop some people, <laughs> regrettably. Well, and the idea here is that with getting rid of ballistic missiles uh, greater than 150 kilometers, Iraq couldn't just bomb Israel for no reason one day because that that's one of the issues that is... It's always is a, Israel. It's always Israel. It's such a hot topic nowadays because... It's the Holy Land for three religions. Yeah, and every, it, everybody, at least, everybody wants a piece of Israel. Everyone wants a piece of Israel. And uh, Israel is our ally and one of the only people in the Middle East that were like, hey, I don't care if you blow up Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, any of those people, but leave Israel alone. That's it. And uh, it really shows that the UN putting the ballistic missiles <laughs> banning ballistic missiles that be able to hit Israel it really shows our uh, preference towards Israel to be fair there are allies I mean if Germany were to attack everyone again and we were to beat down Germany we'd say okay stop blowing up France like it, it's been more than twice at this point in history where Germany's just walked in and blown up France and France has only done it to Germany, Prussia at the time, once. So just, Germany stopped blowing things up. In the same sense... Germany stopped trying to fight the world. <laughs> you lose every time. You do well sometimes, but you lose every time. It's like, you know... It's like, you just gotta stop it. Right? <laughs> You're not the fatherland Bad anymore. Germany. I mean, you know, the Deutschland, but... No, come on, you guys aren't as bad, big and bad as you used to be. You're just like everybody else now. You're 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 part of the club. Come on. So this is where everyone gets start to get worried because once you effectively remove the weapons from other people, this is why it matters um, that North Korea has been testing nuclear weapons or uh, you know big bombs and being able to shoot them across the continent or India for that matter with yeah, their they recent Yeah, they were trying to do like test missiles to try to shoot them across the ocean where Exactly, they? in recent in recent history the yeah. past 10 years. Um I remember hearing about them people freaking out and I was like, well they they got pretty far but they didn't make it. <laughs> That's true, but like if they want it the thing people always forget is that North Korea hates Japan. I mean, and South Korea. If anything, they're going to blow up South Korea. But they're going to hit Japan next because I, I've i talked about this before. And actually, we're in the correct decade where in the 1990s, a bunch of Japanese citizens start getting abducted 
and brought to North Korea to teach North Koreans Japanese. Uh, so that way the North Koreans could basically put sleeper agents in Japan and cause terrorist attacks, uh, which North Korea promised they wouldn't do again. <laughs> okay. Um, a lot of those people are still missing and unconfirmed whether or not they're dead. Uh, that's a very scary thought. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other storyline, but it's it is super interesting. Uh, honestly, if you're listening right now and that tickles your fancy, I would just Google uh, like missing Japanese citizens, North Korea. Uh, like there there was one part where a North Korean posing as a Japanese citizen blew up an airplane flight, and the Japanese went to recover the wreckage and see what happened and North Korea had cleaned it up so Japan never knew what happened besides it blew up clearly because of the plane crash but we don't know where the plane is so very very interesting world events but my whole point that I'm going to circle back around to is America and the Soviet Union are huge they're the world superpowers uh, I mean not Soviet Union anymore especially in our current history we're talking about, but for a very long time, we were the world superpowers. And why that matters is nuclear weapons. We have the, we are capable of destroying the world over and over and over again if we want to. And that matters to smaller nations. Like, let's look at India and their recent getting of nuclear weapons. Uh, actually, let's look at North Korea. This is a better example for it. When you are a smaller nation which goes against American values. All America has to do is say, hey, you're going to listen to what we say. Or we press the button. Or we press the button. Well, as a smaller nation, at that point, you are oppressed by a much larger nation that you can't possibly fight. And they have a one-stop shop to destroy everything you own in a matter of minutes. That's not cool. No, that's, <laughs> that's, that's pretty uncool. Um, history at this point is really interesting, but it's, I mean, over the course of our lifetimes, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. Everyone's going to be at each other's throats because the more people who get nuclear weapons, the more dangerous the world becomes. And not even just that, not everyone abides by mutually assured destruction in the sense of if North Korea decides to send their nukes to us and we say, cool, we're retaliating by launching our nukes to you. We're killing all those people, and they're killing us, too. It's this idea of once we do that, North Korea might have a secret alliance still with the Russians. And, you know, the Russians get mad at us for blowing up North Korea, and then they send missiles to us, and we're mad at the Russians. Or UK, by this point, we're gone. UK is mad at the Russians, and the UK fires on the Russians and the Russians get blown up and the Chinese don't like that. And then they blow up like and the next thing, you know, the world's ev gone. Everybody's playing fallout. Exactly. And that's the issue with the current age and what's happening in the world. Uh, nuclear weapons. And, there's, and the there's a lot of nuclear weapons that have gone that like, you know, there's, there's an amount, I forget how many number there are. There's way too many. I would say. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, but there's a lot of them that are, like, undocumented and, like, they don't know about because they went missing, I think, like, around the time, like, the Cuban Missile Crisis and, like, all that stuff during, like, the Cold War. Like, a lot of that stuff was being moved around and 
and we don't know where it is. It's unaccounted <laughs> for, and that's even more scary because they're probably, you know, they're somewhere. They're around. We just, nobody knows where, and those who do know are not telling. Exactly, and this gets into the issue of never again can we as America step in and end those tensions with the Soviet Union by saying, okay, we're going to go to war, which is how we've been doing it for, how everyone has been doing it for centuries upon centuries. Now we have to dance around and hope we don't make someone mad one day and blow them up. So, Oh, we're already in the process of doing that from what I have heard recently. <laughs> I mean, following modern politics is always doom and gloom. It always feels like we're going to blow up. It always feels like we're going to die. It always feels yeah, like you know, the nation's falling apart. Yeah, you know, that happened like a year or like maybe two years ago. It was like, it's like, oh, it was at, and it was at the beginning. It's always in January where there's like some news of like, oh. The world, world's going to end this wo- year. World War Three is going to happen this year. And then the year happens and it doesn't happen. That was 2020, COVID, January. Um, before COVID hit, everyone was like, World War Three. Because there was a whole bunch of alliances um, over the course of the Cause world. Because Russia, Russia did a thing, and then we were like, oh, World War III. Um, actually, I think it had to do with the Middle East, if I remember correctly. It was an oil issue. Uh-huh. Um, but It was one of them that was Russia. So it's, it's, the, uh, it's the phrase that I don't know what World War III will be fought with, but I know World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Rocks. I, th- I think it was, was that Albert Einstein that said that? That was Albert Einstein, yes. Yeah. So you got that right. The, the idea that we're dealing with right now in the 90s and in modern day is these smaller nations are trying to find a way to punch up. And America and Russia at least understand if we nuke each other, we're gone. There's nothing left of the planet. But these smaller nations that are starting to get nuclear weapon and that are invading each other for oil and, you know, North Korea don't understand this. Yeah, they or at got least they don't understand it as well as a large nation like we do. Nothing to lose and everything to gain. Exactly. And that's the scariest thing in the world. Like, I don't see any issues with India. But if if you remember this during COVID, if India had fallen and broken apart when it got hit by COVID really hard and there was just people dying in the streets and it broke apart, which to be fair, India and China are two of the, or are the two, now that I think about it, longest living countries. Like yeah. Both of those are ancient, ancient, ancient. So if if that were to happen and there were to be like the communists come into power and they decide, okay, well, or... Uh, with Indians, there's a huge divide between a bunch of the different religions, including Hinduism and Islam. If a bunch of Hindus came into power and they said, all right, well, we now have nuclear weapons. The, you know, the Muslims do not. And we don't like them being in India. We feel like they've been ruining our country for centuries or whatever they want to say. You just nuke them. Or they could just shoot it at Africa. Um, like, you know, they, they could hit the areas, or Pakistan is a great example. Um, they, they could hit the areas that are, that influence um, Muslim Indians and just nuke them off the planet. Well, 
the rest of the world's not going to be okay with that. That's such a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And even then, it's only a temporary problem for the people in power. Um, Or the roles could be reversed. And, you know, Muslim Indians decide they want to blow up the Hindus. Like... It could be it could be any role as long as it is a smaller nation that gets this power and realizes and doesn't or sorry and doesn't realize the idea of mutually assured destruction, which is where, you know, the end of the Cold War eases some of that pain, but now we have a whole bunch of issues, and you know, all of this stemmed from. This big long tangent stemmed from the Iraqi chemical and biological weapons stockpile and ballistic missiles being taken away. Um, And a lot of nations hate when that happens because, you know, now they have to listen to America or Russia. So going back, 1991, the governor of Arkansas. Arkansas. Arkansas, that's right. The governor of Arkansas, which I'm pretty sure is not actually a real place. Um, I've never heard of it, and I don't think uh, we'll ever hear of it again after this singular interesting event that happened in Arkansas. William Jefferson Clinton, (laughs) Bill Clinton, (laughs) announces his intention to seek the 1992 Democratic nomination for the presidency of the United States. I want to be the president. We're never going to hear of Arkansas again. It just, it's not real. Like, you have... Arkansas is a very interesting place. Is it? Name one thing you know besides Bill Clinton. Uh, There's a town called Little Rock in there. (laughs) Okay. That's, (laughs) that is famous for not good reasons. You're right. That, like, hold on, I... I've got the Google machine here. I'm I'm gonna just search up like. No offense to people from Arkansas, but I don't know a lot of. It's okay. About I don't even Arkansas. think we have any listeners from Arkansas at all. I don't know much about Arkansas. Uh, like that, and like a lot of those, a lot of those Midwestern states, they're just kind of really fuzzy to me. Like like Idaho and stuff like that. The world's championship duck calling contest is held in. Stuttgart, Arkansas. Ah, yeah, that seems right. Walmart was founded in In, Bentonville. In Arkansas? Apparently. What are three facts about Arkansas? Go figure. Nickname, the natural state. Statehood, 1836, the 25th state. Uh, Population was 2,988 thousand two hundred forty eight capitals little rock biggest city is little rock abbreviation r state bird the mockingbird okay that's fun and the apple blossom is the state flower what did arkansas invent the bowie knife there you go james Eh. bowie was actually fert sorry the bowie knife james bowie Uh, the bowie knife was crafted by arkansas blacksmith james black according to the history the Historic Arkansas Museum. Bowie knives are nice. I love Bowie knives. They're pretty cool. There you go. There's one good thing Arkansas did. Uh, Arkansas's famous top ten famous foods. Fried hand pies. What? What? <laughs> what is that? Fried catfish. <laughs> French fries. <laughs> are these? Are all of these things fried? 
Uh, pretty much. Oh, jeez. Come so, on. So, uh, fried ham pies. They are pockets of fruit. Fried pie. What? Like, like, like. Fruit? Oh, they're like handheld fried fruits. Huh. Fried catfish. French fries. Fried okra. Fried green tomatoes. They're all fried. Donuts. Even the <laughs> everything <laughs> is fried. Fried chicken. Hush puppies, which are also fried. Fried pickles. And onion rings, which are fried. Come on. Arkansas. <laughs> Arkansas, you are the most American, uh, like. That's it. Oh, no. It, it's the, it is, the food from Arkansas is the stereotype of America. Thank you, Arkansas. You're holding us back, Arkansas. You're making us look bad. You're making us look bad on the world stage. Get your top ten foods together. Here's a here's twenty nine facts about Arkansas by. Uh, oh, we're just gonna we're just gonna derail for a minute by Karen Lenhart. This episode and, is about Arkansas. That's right. We'll just we'll stop at 1991. We'll finish the year and we'll just go into Arkansas. <laughs> so the first fact about Arkansas: the first European to reach Arkansas. I was about to say Arkansas. Uh, why is it ugh. to reach Arkansas was explorer Hernando de Soto in 1541. Uh, Arkansasian, Ar- Ar- like it's spelled Arkansasan, Ar- Arkansan, Arkansan. I guess I don't know. What a st- ugh. Well, I don't like this state. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. I, I don't think say I like this. We're not much better because one of our famous foods is just peanut butter and chocolate candies. Hey, but at least that's good. They are good. I'm not saying they're not. <laughs> but it's weird that we're famous for that. Well, it, it's... Like, we invented that. It's like, no, we didn't, we didn't invent that. We invented that because of the Buckeye Nut, which is extremely poisonous and will kill you if you eat it. Which is even funnier that we're like, you know what? We're from Ohio. We like corn. And we're going to make chocolate peanut butter that looks like this nut that'll kill you. So that way... And we're going to name... We're going to have a school in our capital city. And you know what else we're going to do with that... We're going to make the mascot that nut for some reason. The the funny thing to me is, well, I guess this isn't really funny, but imagine a kid just, you know, they've only, they've eaten Buckeyes before and then they're walking down the street and they see a natural Buckeye and they're like, oh, I bet this is, you know, what the chocolate peanut butter candies are based off of. And then by association, the kid eats a poisonous nut and dies. Like, I I almost did try to you know like I you know I mean they're really hard to eat. Everybody has them in their house. Every oh around here at least. Everyone like my parents have them. It's I had ridiculous. A, you, know, I, you know I had a jar of Buckeyes in my house, but uh you know you try to pick one up. You you, you like look at it. You know I I did try like you know, but they're too hard. Well, here's some fun stuff about. I'm Arkansas. afraid of whoever can break that open with their teeth and eat that. I'm terrified of them. Don't come near me, please. I'm like, I, I'm re-interested in how just weird Arkansas is. Uh, 
Haiti Wyatt Caraway or Caraway, 1931 to 1945. What? Oh, she was the first woman elected to serve a full time or a full term as a United States senator. That's cool. You could fit all of Greece and almost all of Puerto Rico in Arkansas. That is what that's Yeah, well, America is <laughs> huge. Like it it's yeah, a lot it's big. bigger than people give it credit for. Oh yeah, it's big. It's so big there's like different biomes that happen in it. Like yeah. like you'll be like, you know, in the mountains. Then you keep on driving or you keep on flying or wherever and you, you mosey on over here, you got swamps. You mosey on over there, you got you just know, deserts. Deserts. <laughs> and then you mosey on a little further, you got plains and and other stuff and you and you and you mosey on up north and then you got like tundras. Why do we we, we have everything? <laughs> we have coasts, we've got beaches. This is a fun little thing that ties into magic. And we have Ohio. <laughs> That's right. Ohio is America. If it weren't for Ohio, there'd be no America. When I'm I think not of sure about wait, really? <laughs> no, <laughs> not at say. all. I was like, don't say that. Uh, like, oh, well, so Ohio's not one of the thirteen original colonies, no. and Ohio was a part of the uh, Louisiana Purchase, right? I don't know. Wasn't it one of the first non? colonial states established uh yeah okay ohio is the 17th state and it was part of the louisiana purchase that's what i thought because what ended up happening was people came north and this is where westerville and galena and all those histories come in um there's a whole when Franklinton, now Franklin Count, County, uh, Franklin Township, um, when Franklinton was settled, I mean, you had Tecumseh and a, a lot of other um, Shawnee. They were the primary uh, Native Americans in the area that were in Ohio. And I remember hearing about it because, first off, I was in a play about Ohio history, but not even just that. It's you saw the Tecumseh thing, didn't you? Exactly, and that's I, I like saw, I saw that once too. <laughs> the only interesting history Ohio has from that time period, because I mean, New Orleans, you've got all the stuff about floods, and, and you've got a bunch of stuff about ambushes, and Ohio has that. It's just that Ohio is basically a bunch of white people moved in, and then was like, hey we'd like to live with you guys relatively peacefully and everyone was kind of like we don't want you around and everyone and the white people were like die well not even really die because i mean yeah they that's what happens throughout american history anyways but it was all those like you know all those old indian mounds and stuff mm -hmm. and, and we know nothing about them because all the people that build them we we were like get out of here go go and they, bye bye and they dispersed and now there's no like i don't know what the word is like local kind of like you know generational knowledge mm -hmm. passed down so now there's just we have all these these earthworks and we're like and we're just guessing what they're for <laughs> it's it's so weird because like these these awful things happened but not only do we not talk about it in history ohio did it I would say to a lesser extent, 
um, than a lot of the other states that ended up in the Louisiana Purchase because a lot of that was Southern stuff. So not only were you dealing with kicking people off their land, but you were also dealing with uh, slavery. So you had a lot of Southern state stuff that was happening, and then Ohio just kind of shows up and people are like, well, let's grow corn here. There's a lot of shale around, which makes it really hard to grow crops. So we're going to keep growing corn. (laughs) It's just like Tecumseh was a super interesting. I don't I don't know if it's politically correct or not to call him an Ohioan, but in the sense of interesting man. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, not in the sense of, like, he was an Ohioan and this, like, you know, white culture trying to overthrow. I don't know. I, uh, I don't know what people get angry about. But in the sense of that. Don't he, trip on it too much. I just going to say, it's just in the sense of, like, Ohioan as in he lived in this land and he is one of the staples of Ohio I mean, yeah, that every time everyone's, I, like. Every time I go to Chillicothe, I pass by that Tecumseh sign. Like, exactly. Oh, there's the, uh, the outdoor drama. Well, I mean, and I've read books about him and just really, really interesting person. And all the people around him were equally as interesting. And it's just, it's cool. Like, he, he is a part of Ohioan history that's, so interesting to learn. I think about. one of the most interesting things is that nobody knows where he's buried. That is, I I don't know why I find that interesting, but I find that really cool. That like, I I mean, obviously somebody knows because somebody had to bury him, but like nobody knows where he's buried. People have guesses, but nobody knows definitively where he's at, and I think that's really cool. Tecumseh is a cool person. He is cool. <laughs> that's uh, that's what I'm going to leave that at. He's awesome. So uh, during the height of the AIDS pandemic in Arkansas, which I know right now is like getting renamed or like getting changed uh, because I don't, I, I don't know. Um, it's I, I honestly have no idea. I don't I don't follow a lot of this stuff. Um, but don't cancel me over for this. Um, a lone woman single-handedly buried and held funerals for over 40 gay men when their own families wouldn't hold funerals for them, which is a really cool Arkansas fact. Um, it's a shame that that happened to those people, but it was it's kind of cool to hear that just one person went off and did that. Uh, Arkansas is the only... It is, wow. Arkansas has the only active diamond mine in the United States. Uh, They hold the duck calling contest. Uh, The three largest diamonds found in America were found in Arkansas because of their diamond mines. Uh, Yeah, so Arkansas inventions include the Bowie knife, Fried pickles, modern archery, I don't really know what that means, the Wonder Horse, uh, and cheese-filled hot dogs. <laughs> oh, boy. That's... More catfish are eaten in Arkansas than any other state. I think it's really funny that this is 29 fun facts about Arkansas, and it's like, they're fun, but they're not impressive. Like, you know, you could you could look at Washington, D.C., or New York, or any of these things, and search up 29 facts about them. 
and it would be so much more historically relevant and interesting than the facts that I'm reading about Arkansas. And I'm skipping most of these facts because most of them are like, there are 11.8 billion trees in Arkansas. Yay. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, in the early 20th century, Arkansas hot springs were a popular hotspot for baseball spring training. Hot springs? Yeah. They got hot springs in Arkansas? Yeah. Huh. I never would have figured. Oh, here's fun. Here's fun. fun. This fun. is fun. This is a great thing about Arkansas. The worst mass murderer in Arkansas history was Ronald Gene Simmons. He murdered his entire family of 14 including his 20-month-old grandson, and then shot two other people. Thanks, Arkansas. Thank you. <laughs> Walmart in Rogers, Arkansas. Uh, the name Arkansas means people who live downstream. These are awful fun facts. I'm just going to say it. These like, aren't fun. They're not. It's like, it's just kind of convincing me I don't like Arkansas. I'm sorry. Sorry for if any listeners are from Arkansas or in Arkansas. I I don't. I don't even know if we have any listeners in Arkansas. We got a lot of Californians. We might eventually. Might might eventually. You know that's. But it. I just want to say, I have no opinion on Arkansas. You know, I don't really have an opinion on most states because I haven't. I haven't seen them. Here's a here's a fun thing that never gets talked about. You know Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, I do. When do you think he lived? Uh, I would say through the like kind of the late 1700s and maybe like the early 1800s okay the very early 1800s 1769 to 1821 yeah i got it right so america is born at this point yeah um it is a it is a living breathing thing which is funny because the napoleonic wars and prussia and france and all of that seems so european and maybe even just so distant to what was going on in America at that time because everything was just so, I guess, primitive. Not, well, not really. More advanced. I don't know. We were starting out. <laughs> we're starting out. Well, and it's something that because of the way American history is taught in schools, you learn about American history, but you don't learn what else is happening in the world. Yeah, and so, then, but then, like, later on, you'll learn about, like, world history, and, like, you'll learn about the stuff that was happening at the same time, but you don't connect them together. Exactly. So here's something that people don't ever connect together. Napoleon Bonaparte, former leader of France, sold Arkansas to the United States as part of the Louisiana Purchase. Napoleon Bonaparte, the famous guy, you know? You know who he is, you know, Napoleon Bonaparte. Yeah. People say he's short and he's actually average height for his time. Exactly. And, you know, we got the Louisiana Purchase from him, That's which right. is such a weird thing to think about because, you know, he was the first and only emperor of France. So, like, you know, it's just it's just weird to think about that America during this time, the 1800s, where we're... Honestly, it was only 200 years ago that we were starting to go out west with the gold rush and all that. So it's, you know, the Oregon Trail. Very weird. Strange stuff to think about. Uh, I don't really care about the rest of these. Yeah, this is this is a terrible fun fact. The mascot <laughs> of, for the Arkansas School for the Deaf is named Def Leppard. 
<laughs> in 2016, <laughs> the students met their mascot's famous namesake, Def Leppard. <laughs> it's like, why is this a claim to fame for Arkansas? What does it matter if they meet Def Leppard? Because, well, well, so they can't listen to Def Leppard. They're deaf. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm serious. You're going to get us canceled. No, I mean, I'm serious. I mean, like, <laughs> what is the point of that happening? Well, my bigger question is, who is the guy who, who, who like, made their mascot a deaf leopard whoever for did, the school of the deaf? Whoever did that is just a real jerk. And I got to say, that's not funny. That's I, such a poor taste. I was like, say, honestly, like, I that is... I can't tell if that's an edgy joke. Or like, I thought you were messing with me when you said that. No, no. The Arkansas School for the Deaf is named... Or sorry, the mascot is named Def Leppard, and the students got to meet Def Leppard in 2016. That's not <laughs> funny at all. <laughs> that's a, that's a mean joke. I was gonna say it's funny in the in the mean sense of you know. Yeah. But oh, here's fun fact whoever number came 29. Up, whoever came up with that, shame on you. <laughs> you, shame on you, man. <laughs> I actually. In 1973, a severe storm picked up and rained down over 100 ducks in Arkansas. Arkansas has a thing for ducks. Uh, hopefully that person who named uh, the school of the deaf, or sorry, the mascot for the school of the deaf, the deaf leopard, uh, got hit by one of those ducks. <laughs> um, a severe storm picked up and rained down over 100 ducks in Arkansas. Like, why is this a fun fact about your state? Yeah, it rained ducks one time. <laughs> it's like, okay, why? Why do I care? <laughs> How? <laughs> well, it's a it's a storm, you know. Storms are, I don't know. I don't care. We're going we're going back to the nineties. Yeah, let's go back to the nineties. I'm done with Arkansas. I don't. I, see I don't, later, I don't like that state. Bad see, state. See you, Arkansas. Nineteen ninety two riots erupt in South Central L.A. following the acquittal of four white police officers who were caught on video beating a speeding suspect, Rodney King. I'm sure you've heard these. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know yeah, that. I was going to say your face like lit up right there. Yeah. During the riots, 55 people were killed and 2,300 people were injured and 1,100 buildings were destroyed. Yeah, that was a very messed up uh, event that happened there. The whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no further thing to talk about in there. Um so the renewed ration, the renewed nation of Russia, which was recreated after you know the Soviet Union was dissolved, um, and their leader Boris Yeltsin, never heard of that guy, announced that they will stop targeting the cities of the United States with nuclear weapons. <laughs> Yay! I mean. You know, to be fair, I don't know. That should never have happened in the first place between either side, but whatever. Nuclear weapons, you know. At least they started to kind of remove hostilities there. The Salt River Bay National Historical Park and Ecological Preserve, what a very, very long name, is established through legislation signed by George H.W. Bush. Uh, the park in St. Croix of the... I imagine that's St. Crow, of uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands, is the only location under the jurisdiction of the United States where the men of Christopher Columbus are known to have been. What a 
what a strange thought too but you know we'll get we'll get into that at a probably never 26th I can't speak tonight. I'm having a lot of trouble here. 27th Amendment to the Constitution is passed 202 years after its initial proposal. It bars the United States Congress from giving itself a midterm or retroactive pay raise. This amendment had been originally proposed by James Madison in 1789 as part of 12 amendments, of which 10 would become the original Bill of Rights. Uh, It took them a little while. Because at this point, you know, Congress, politicians, man, they make so much money and they don't need to. Uh, The siege of Ruby Ridge is begun by United States Marshals lasting 10 days. The incident would end with the acquittal of all but one minor charge against the Weaver family and led to admonishment of the handling of the incident by federal authorities. 1992, in a three-way race, or sorry, November 3rd, 1992, in a three-way race for the presidency of the United States, Democratic candidate Bill Clinton defeats incumbent President George H.W. Bush and businessman H.R. H. Ross Perot, I don't know why I was like, I mean H.R., sure, uh, of the Reform Party. Many trace the loss of President Bush to his uh, reneging, reneging a pledge for no new taxes, uh, of which he brought in new taxes. Clinton received only 43% of the popular vote, but 370 electoral votes to Bush uh, with 37.4% and 168 electoral college votes. Pro garnered 18.9% of the popular vote, but no electoral college votes. So, funny how this works. Uh, We, like, in 1992, we actually had a three-party system um, where it doesn't necessarily, like, Perot was never going to win. Like, there was just no chance. But it, it was very interesting that somebody got that much of the vote against Clinton and Bush in recent history because I don't know about you, but it feels like the U S is, and will always be a two party system. And to think that there was actually in recent history, somebody who, you know, actually stood a chance, but yeah, uh, Clinton received, 43% 43% of the popular vote. I think that's funny. Uh, with 370 electoral votes. Just electoral college, man. Everyone hates it. Um, yeah, unless you don't. <laughs> and, and we can't get rid of it. We've so, tried, but we can't. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, like politicians have no reason to get rid of it because the electoral college is what keeps, you know, keeps them keeps it swaying one way or the other so i don't know i'm not going to get into the electoral college stuff because that's a hot topic for a bunch of people a nation run by the people for the people and sure and the well 
Well, here's the thing. The people are stupid. <laughs> That's Yeah, so we have a bunch of old guys decide stuff for us because we, we can't behave. Exactly. Well, and that's where you run into the issue of the 1700s of where you actually needed the Electoral College. And the further we... It's, it's a really interesting debate because the further you get into the information era, which is, you know, the era we're in right now with the internet and all that, the easier it is for people to be misled that's about true. different things. So, like, it's it is... It's much easier to lie. Yes, and you could get away, and it's also a lot harder because there are people like digging into your stuff. Um, so it's, it's it's a very interesting debate on whether or not we need the Electoral College because there are people out there who just end up getting brainwashed, and they'll just yeah. vote or they party line vote, and that's it. They don't even consider anything else. And it's easy to it's easy to fool people, but it's kind of hard to lie. Yeah, I I would agree with that. It's it's a very interesting debate there where I, I'm not, you know, I try and stay apolitical on Retrospection Radio, uh, which goes to the Retrospection Radio Hour. Um, but it's if you're not familiar with the debate, uh, my my listeners, it's more it's more than worth your time to go through and just kind of figure out where you stand on the Electoral College. If anything, just because you like politics and you want to know if you're actually for it or against it because a lot of people end up just saying you know every election one side or the other is like the electoral college is stupid we should abolish it and then the side who won is like no we shouldn't but you as a person sit down and figure out and i encourage everyone to get you know politically intelligent and start researching the things they believe and why they believe them and whether or not they actually believe um but Electoral college, man. I try to stay out of the political game for the most part because it's just so <laughs> draining. I, yeah. I mean, like, I'm not, I don't purposefully ignore it. It's just something that's not really on my radar. But I, I like, I mean, with most things, you know, I've always been this way. It's a drama in both the political landscape and the drama that happens around me in the world. I remain aloof. I don't really care about what happens. That fits your personality pretty well. I and mean, we can tell by the music you like that you probably wouldn't be that interested in politics and the way the world is. Like, I, I am in some ways, but it's just more of like, just kind of a philosophical kind of thing in a way. Just like, just kind of seeing like the way people are and stuff like that. And like, I mean, I have like a, some basic ideas of how, like politics and stuff like that, but. It just, a lot of it, it just doesn't really make any sense to me to really, like, dedicate so much energy into it. So I just kind of stay on the outside of it. And I, I watch from the sidelines and I and I laugh slash cringe slash get angry slash <laughs> all of emotions that so it would elicit in a person. I'm super political, um, but I don't bring that into retrospection. And if I do, I will, like this season bashes Christians and like Christianity a lot this season that comes out and you'll get into that in the further season or in the later part of the season. And it's meant to, um, because it's, it, it has a statement to make about the core of modern day Christianity, which and, people need to hear. And then and make even other religions too. Part. Yeah. I mean, it, it primarily focuses on Christianity, but if you take out, christianity you can replace it with islam 
and yeah, that's really a it, lot of Western religions. And it's really fascinating, when, like when you take even a like a cursory glance of like kind of the structures of different religions and how they like work and how they exist in the world. And a lot of them are really similar to each other. And like, you know, I don't have really any opinion. I'm not a very religious person. I'm the kind of person that takes what I need and I leave the rest, you know? (laughs) And like, you know, it's like, so you kind of like, you kind of glance at these different belief systems and stuff and you're kind of like, well, there's a lot of crossover and there's a lot of difference, but there's definitely, especially a lot of crossover, like especially between like, what are the, what would you say the major religions are? Like Christianity and like... Christianity. Uh, like, you know, Judaism and uh, and Islam and stuff like that. Yeah, those are your main Western religions that you see. And those three alone are very similar to each other. Well, they're all Abrahamic. Yeah. And which, like, even like, you know, like part of, even like half the Bible like the you know the regular bible you can get anywhere it's like half of it is like literally the whole you know it's like the old testament like that's there are some differences between them but yeah there's a lot of the stories are similar if not the same and that's that's very interesting and they all happen in the same area like all of the uh well that's why israel matters so much yeah because they're like this is this is the bible place (laughs) or the, the the torah place or the you know the Quran place. Yeah. <laughs> this is the place where it all happened at the same time. Imagine a world without religion. No crusades. No blowing up Israel. No Israel threatening to blow up other people. Like it would be very interesting. To be fair, it'd probably be replaced with something else. You know, yeah. if it wasn't religion that was driving the cause of we need to go blow up these people and kill them and sack their cities, then it'd probably be something else of. You know, kind of like the Trojan War, where it's like, historically, it is most likely that they disagreed over trade disputes. But, of course, we know the Iliad and the Odyssey, where it's like, the gods came down and interacted with this stuff. The gods, Hermes stepped down and he said, whoa there. (laughs) Whoa, you guys are going too fast. I was just trying to deliver mail. It's like, I'm going too fast for you guys, but man, I thought I was fast. Oh, here's a fun thing. Since we're talking about religion, uh, we're going to hop into 1993 now. February 26, 1993, the World Trade Center is bombed by Islamic terrorists when a van parked below the North Tower of the structure explodes. Six people are killed and over 1,000 are injured. In the basement? It's not the basement. It's at the base. Oh. Uh, it was base in the, of the it, tower. It, it, Yeah, it was in the parking garage, wasn't it? Yeah. Boom. I mean, uh, I mean, not the worst thing that happened. Uh, not sure if I should make that joke. People I mean, are still pretty sensitive about that. It's it's weird that like within a decade of each other, there were attempts to destroy the World Trade Center. And then they finally got one through. And yeah, I mean, one of them was a little little more than an attempt a little more successful than the other one was <laughs> i would say to put it i don't know a thousand to put people it ex- injured to put it extremely lightly extremely extremely lightly, lightly yes uh so 50 the 51 day waco waco standoff waco? yeah waco there we oh, go waco. now i remember yeah. this 51 waco. day waco standoff begins when the bureau of alcohol tobacco and firearms attempt to arrest 
the Branch Davidian leader, David Koresh, on federal arms violations. Four agents and five members of the cult are killed in the raid. The siege ends on April 19th when a fire started by the Davidians killed 75 members of the group, including the leader. Yeah, I'd say that in terms of cults, that'd probably want to be the one of the real like high-profile ones next like since jonestown i, would I was say. gonna say because like jonestown. there's i mean well how many casualties were there in the way in waco uh there were 75 um oh that's definitely nowhere. i guess 80 that's nowhere near jonestown jonestown's actually astronomical yeah compared jo- to that well i don't think we've ever had anything before or after jonestown that's like even yeah, hit those it's a very, before. it's a very, and it's just a a, un, a very unique set of circumstances that led to that. And even, I mean, with most cults, like it's weird how they just, like they never really just kind of exist, like they almost always just come to a head in some way, and it always results in death, and it's weird. Like I don't get it. It's like it, it's not. I'm not even talking about like religions. I just mean like cults, like you know, like yeah. Jonestown, like Heaven's Gate, and like you know the, the Branch Davidians, and it's like it's like why? Why can't you just like just just kind of hang out? You know, you can have your little like group, and you know, you gather together and believe in what you believe in. But you don't have to like you don't have to tangle with the ATF. It's not worth it. You don't have to <laughs> you don't have to put give give people cyanide Kool Aid or put blankets over your head and try to hitch rides on ufos behind comets and stuff like it's not it's like why why do they always do this stuff i don't get it it's weird like it's really freaky to think about it's like all of them not all of them but a lot i have no comment to say without offending religious people (laughs) it's Um, it's a it's a charismatic leader and you get a bunch of people who are I'm not talking about like I just mean like these these it's kind of like you know well that's not a good example yeah I'm I was a, gonna say like Manson because like the way Manson did it's like he yeah. had all these people who were broken oh whatever but it's, well that is how I mean that's how cults and religions target people it's the people who are religion or our religion are down on their luck and that's where they say hey God can help you that's why you have a large majority of religious populations being poor or lower income in general because the idea of this omnipotent deity reaching out and handing stuff to help them in their lives sounds a lot better than the reality of you are born into this and you are statistically more likely to stay there for the rest of your life. It's like someone told me one time there's a lot of people in the world that are trying to fill a God-shaped hole in their life. <laughs> I'm not sure what they meant by that, but it it's it resonated with me. It was it seems true. I don't mean in like a bad way or try to put anybody down, but there I feel like there is, you know, someone's just trying. Like people are just trying to fill something that's like missing in their lives. And it does, you know, usually people turn to religion after something really bad happens to them or mm-hmm. most, most, most of the time they're just 
raised that way and that's just how they grew up how they were brought up but sometimes some people it's just like you know it's just kind of like it's what they got and it's it's kind of it is interesting to think about but you know i but i see it all just from on the outside because like i said i'm not a particularly religious person i just find religion fascinating from an outside perspective and you know people can do what they want i <laughs> i have no opinion on it so uh back to 1993 because i have got to leave a bit earlier tonight um kids on the block go their separate ways new kids on the block yeah sorry new kids on the block um michael jordan retires from the nba to i guess play. i guess they didn't have the right stuff you make that joke but that's actually what this article says. After, <laughs> no, they didn't. After seven years together, new kids on the block go their separate ways, proving that perhaps they did not have the right stuff after oh, all. Oh, low-hanging fruit, I guess. Yeah, you're... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Jordan goes to... or leaves the NBA and plays minor league baseball for... Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, 17 months, and then comes back. <laughs> it's really weird that that happened. Yeah, I mean, like you yeah. kind of forget about that. So, uh, 1993 Intel ships, or sorry, Intel ships, the first Pentium chips, which revolutionizes the processing of computers, and uh, we're starting to see the technology age, the information era, begin to. Uh, Here it comes. Yeah, like by the by the end of the 90s, man. We get the internet. Yeah. Dial up, dial up, baby. It's. You know, I I hear stories from people of people who would use dial-up internet, and they downloaded the Star Wars Episode One trailer, and it took them like hours upon hours, and they had to do it overnight, <laughs> and they watched it for like a three-minute video in you know 480p or whatever, and it's probably and they honestly less than that. Yeah, well. Uh, anyways, so uh, we're starting we're starting to see modern era stepping in. Um, President Bill Clinton orders a cruise missile attack on Iraqi intelligence headquarters in Baghdad. Responding to the attempted assassination um, cultivated by Iraq Secret Service on former President Bush during his visit to Kuwait two months before. So Clinton was like, look, Bush and I may be political opposites, but uh, you don't try and kill him. I blow you up instead. And uh, he blew them up. <laughs> Just blew them right up. The Brady Handgun Violence Protection or er, Prevention Act is signed into law by uh, President Bill Clinton. 1994. We're, uh, we're at the end here because uh, we always start 95 to, uh, or sorry, we do, you know, 5 to 9 in the next episode. So here's, here's the last year real quick. The North American Free NAFTA. You know what NAFTA is. Uh, it goes into effect creating a free trade zone between Canada, the United States, and Mexico. The bodies of Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman are found outside uh, Nicole Brown's home in Los Angeles, California. You know this one, too. This is a nice, famous one. Five days later, her husband, former football star O.J. Simpson, and, oh. of course, star, or sorry, co-star, of the Naked Gun movies is arrested for the crime and is later acquitted on uh, October 3rd, 1995. Wow. And to this day, 
He's afraid to live in L.A. because the killer might still be there. <laughs> Every time he looks in a mirror, he sees him. I, I, I've been rewatching through South Park, and um, I'm in 2001 or 2002 for South Park. Like, World Trainer, World Trade Center stuff happened. I think I'm in 2002. Like the what, South Park like season se- that came what out. What season are you on? Oh God, uh, I want to say seven or eight. Oh really? Because um, I've just been rewatching through all of them, and it's so interesting to watch South Park in the context of history and not just entertainment. And watch it like evolve. Exactly, because the political commentary it takes is. I mean, it's very interesting from season to season, like, including modern day. The COVID stuff always yeah. interested me. But like to watch it with the first season, uh, first two seasons coming out in 96, 97, and they had a movie in 99, the stuff that they make fun of in 96 and 97 is so like some of the stuff is outdated, like Barbara Streisand. Yeah, I, I honestly like I really love the first two seasons because they're I, just so. Well, I've started to hate the first season a lot because there's 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 like it's very a, repetitive. Yeah, yeah. The I first just, season. I like how I don't know what the word is. It's like I like how kind of like just ramshackle it looks. It, it, it is. has a charm to it. It does. And like the low production quality. It. I don't know why. It just. I really like it. I. And, and just like it's the political kind of, commentary of the time, the stuff that they do making fun of Clinton and um, O.J. Simpson and just all of that, all of the scandals that were happening in the 90s at the time is so, I don't know, knowing the history of the 90s and just knowing the history or at least a decent amount of history of America. Yeah. It's so interesting to actually start watching political commentaries from those time periods like Ronald Reagan when he would go up and give speeches about Gorbachev and the Russians and he would tell jokes to the people and it's like it's still funny to me because of the way that he tells it he's a really yeah or even like in the Simpsons when they would do it too yeah when the Simpsons did it I just oh no so I before coming here I was eating dinner and naturally watching South Park because eventually I go through I like to go through old shows that I watched, um, and I just watched the episode Simpsons did it, or <laughs> Simpsons al- already did that, or something like that, and it's it's just, there's one part for 20 seconds where a character's just like, Simpsons did it, Simpsons did it, Simpsons did it, and Simpsons did it, man. I, I don't know what else to say besides. Did, I mean, they, at this point, they've literally done everything, and probably again. Yeah. You just like how are they how are they still on the air? Just like thirty seasons. I will say I watched it when I was younger, and the more I watched a lot of like season five of The Simpsons when I was little, because that was one of the only seasons we had on DVD. So <laughs> I remember like the 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 one where they make fun of the 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 Beatles parody one with the barbershop quartet. I remember the one where he goes to space and where Marge like meets up with like. I think it's like their neighbor or something and they go on the run and stuff like that. Just a lot of just like when they started to get a little more like outlandish kind of. And I'm just like, this is, it's like, I like this. But like, those are the ones I remember the most. Oh, the Simpsons. What a, what a series. They're like they Russia. They used to be really good. Like the <laughs> early ones are like, I think, I don't know what, I don't know what people say, like, People always say, like, oh, like, the the seasons two through nine or eight or something or seven or I don't know what it is. I don't care. 
But I just, like I said, all, most of my Simpsons knowing about just kind of starts and stops with season five because that's the only one I really watched consistently. Because that's all, because, oh. you know, it's all I had on DVD. Oh, DVD. Oh, my God. I think I still have it somewhere, but it's definitely unwatchable because as a, as a young child, you abuse every DVD that you owned. <laughs> And then you find it years later, and you're like, well, this is unplayable. Well, you find it years later, and you go, wait a minute. What is a DVD? I don't even have a DVD player. Like, I use my PlayStation or my Xbox as a DVD player because I just don't own those anymore. And if I have DVDs... I still have the DVD player that's in my living room when I was, oh, like, a kid. <laughs> yikes. It's in my room, but I don't use it. I just... Yeah, there's no reason to. Like... Sometimes you, I mean, like we have a DVD player in the living room, like at least at, with at my dad's. But that's because like there's some movies you can't watch anywhere on streaming, and we only have them on DVD. Like fair, like The Godfather it, and Purple Rain. Give it twenty years and see what happens to DVDs. Oh, they'll be gone. They'll yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Nicole Brown and uh, O.J. Simpson. What a yep. Uh, so moving on. Bill Clinton signs the assault weapons ban, which bars the use of uh, assault weapons for 10 years. For the first time since 1904, the World Series of Major League Baseball is canceled. What um, for? It is due to a player strike begun in August by the Major League Baseball Players Association. Huh. Um, let me double check something. Also in 1994, we have the death of uh, Kurt Cobain. Yes, I'm not. Yeah. A, I'm not a too big a Nirvana fan, though. So yeah, I, but it's still kind of, you know. It is a big. That is a big event, though. I will admit that. That is, you know, that does. I mean, like I said, I don't. I'm, I, I, I'm I not a big Nirvana fan either. I, but I like, didn't really listen to them growing up. But you know, he was a pretty. You know, Kurt Cobain is a pretty smart guy. I mean, like you know, I've I've seen like interviews of them. He's an intelligent dude. You know, you know, really like. Just kind of a nice dude, humble guy, and you know he seemed he seemed he showed a lot of promise as an artist. And I would have honestly, there was a point where I would have said a lot of string of nasty things about Nirvana. I used to really not like Nirvana. Oof. Yeah. I mean, I but I I've softened on them. I I mean, like, I don't think they're the greatest band ever made. The because a lot of people really love them. I. I just don't because I just I don't really have that connection to them like that. But I mean, they had a big impact. I can acknowledge that. I've, I've grown enough and matured enough to realize that. And you I know, will say, I they, do like. I actually do like some of their songs. But they are, you know, they they had they made their mark. They made their mark, but like, if they come on the radio, if I'm even listening to the radio, they definitely end up getting skipped. Yeah, sometimes, because uh, most of the stuff they play on the radio isn't that good. It smells like Teen Spirit over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, I only like hearing that song if I if the last time I heard it was, like, a while ago. Because I don't hear it very much now, because I don't listen to the radio, like, at all. But, you know, sometimes I'll hear someone play it. Like, I'll be at work, and someone will play it on their, their speaker, and I'll be like, oh, yeah. There it is. There's Nirvana again. Hello, old friend. So, uh, 1994, um, I've got like two or three more things that we can wrap up on, which are going to be, yeah. 
<laughs> so 1994, um, keep in mind in 92, Bill Clinton gets elected. Uh, he beats the Republicans, and he's in there as a Democrat. Well, 96, you have another election. Um, and in 94, the Republicans are going back and forth with each other. Um, the Here's what this says. The Republican revolution concludes with the midterm elections when, for the first time in 40 years, the party gains control of both the Senate and the U.S. House of Representatives. So... Basically, you're starting to see the Republicans unite a bit, um, and eventually this is where you see, you know, Bush um, and everything that happens eventually from 96 onward. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that. We're starting to see the rise of the Republicans to step in during 9-11. Uh, so here's two. We'll end... Actually, I guess we'll end on a sad note. Um, but American figure skater, and they made a movie about this recently, I'm sure. Everyone knows about this. Nancy Kerrigan is clubbed in the knee one month before the Winter Olympics. It was later discovered what? that the... You don't know this? No, what? Well, it was later discovered that the attack was organized by associates of rival skater Tanya Harding. Despite her injury, Kerrigan still went on to win the silver medal at the Olympics in Lillehammer, Norway. <laughs> Norwegians. Yeah, didn't hear about that? No, I never heard about that. Are you serious? Uh-huh. Um, what, was the, what was the movie that just came out? For the Olympics? Uh-huh. You know what I found out? Yeah, I, Tanya, 2017. Oh, my God, 2017. Yeah. I once learned about the Olympics recently that really open my eyes because for a long time i was like oh the olympics that's like the pinnacle of like you know athleticism you got all the best athletes in the world and then i found out that like professional athletes like let's say you're like in the like you know nba or something or mlb you make so much more money as that than on the olympics because they don't pay you anything for the olympics they pay you like a few thousand dollars or something like that and i'm like really I, yeah I, don't, I mean somebody told me that but i'm like it kind of makes sense because it costs so much money to just do the Olympics in general that most countries that host them, they go into like financial like trouble afterward. Like, you know, like I think like in Rio, like even when they were like just even trying to get it together and set it up, like they had a lot of trouble with it and stuff. And there's like a bunch of controversy. They're trying to like, I think they I don't know what they would do, but, like, there was a lot of weird stuff that was going on. And then, like, afterward, it was like, yeah, it's like, you know, almost always the Olympic villages fall into ruin and stuff like that. And, like, and it's just, I don't know why people do it. It's it's it, like it's not financially worth it. They build all this infrastructure, and then they don't use it. And I'm like, when will you learn? You know, it's good for tourism, though. Because a lot of people want to go see the Olympics. Sorry, I'm 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 going down the rabbit hole. I need to stop. Yeah, the the movie came out, I Tanya, in um, 2017, and if I remember correctly, it had a whole bunch of controversy for like portraying Tanya um, as the bad guy, as the good guy. What? Because Na Nancy Kerrigan was the one who got her kneecap busted. 
um, by this Russian uh, played by Margot Robbie in the movie. Um, I now don't quote me on this because I don't. I was 17 at the time. I was still in high school when this came out, and I was like, "This looks stupid. I don't have any interest in this." And I never you know. even heard of it. Yeah, well, so it's on Hulu with the subscription, so I might end up just this weekend watching it because I'm curious to see the movie. Honestly, I'm curious just to find out like what happened. Uh, she got her kneecap busted in. <laughs> it ruined her career. That is so yeah. weird and petty to do. Like, yeah, it's like, come on, I, man. Honestly, it, that's another like, thing. Like, was she that good that this person had to be like, I need this person to be taken care of? Yeah. It's it, it's messed I would, up. I would have to see her perform, you know, pre-kneecap busting because this person must have been a real, like, monster at skating for this other person to be like, I, 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 I to pay to have somebody do that to them i just i can't fathom it it's so weird i i don't know i i need to watch the movie on that too and read up on the story and learn a little bit more yeah, about I, it but I got, it's I it's some homework up. to do <laughs> um so next we'll we'll get into something nice and then i'll give you a little bit of a teaser for next time in the f- first south african election in which black people are allowed to vote Nelson Mandela is elected president, and he is the first black South African president. So, 27 years in prison, gets out of prison at the beginning of this episode that we talked about, 1990, and eventually becomes president in 1994. Um, so, That's awesome. It's from, the, from the bottom to the top. That's great. I love that. So, here's a, here's a fun little teaser trailer for next time since uh as always we're, we're actually going to end early but later than i had anticipated 1995 this is where next episode is going to start 170 that's not right i'm already wrong there we go anarchists timothy mcveigh and terry nichols uh, for our people who listen uh or the are people who lived this history or studied this history i'm sure you probably know april 19th 1995 two anarchists explode a bomb outside the murrah federal building in oklahoma city killing 168 people in a domestic terrorism attack we're gonna get into that next time and basically we're gonna begin with that bombing but that's next time. That's next week. That's a story for another day. That's right. You've been listening to 97.5 WOBN. I can't talk tonight. 97.5 WOBN, The Wild Card. This is Retrospection Radio Hour. We film this from 8 to 10 p.m. on Fridays. Honestly, it changes. It keeps changing per semester of college. And soon I'll be out of college so we can find a better time and a better setup since... We could honestly just do that at this at my apartment. I've got it set up to be able to do this uh, once I leave college. Um, but yeah, Retrospection Radio Hour. Don't forget the second episode of uh, Retrospection Radio Theater. Uh, season 4, The Madison Mamer, is coming out on the 1st of January. Or the 31st of January 2022 I'm having a rough night tonight you know I think moving to the evening was a uh, maybe not the best idea on my end um 
And, of course, we're starting up live streams called Retrospection Radio Live. If you are an author, a celebrity, uh, somebody who owns something, or honestly just has an interesting story to tell, it doesn't matter if you're a famous person or not, if you have an interesting story to tell, I would love to hear about it and maybe even have you live on the show at Retrospection, or send an email to uh, retrospectionradio at gmail.com. Um, or just contact us through any of the social medias or anything like that. Cause honestly, I, I'd love to, I'd love to hear about you and your story. So feel free to reach out there. Uh, this has been retrospection radio hour. I said that a million times now. I'm Noah. And I am Nate. We're gonna, we're gonna go ahead and, uh, throw you back, back onto the radio.